stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hey there, listener. Thanks for stopping by. Before we get the podcast started today, I just wanted to tell you about my Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and donating some money, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash K-I-P-P-O-D. And there's three separate tiers there where you can get exclusive content, ad-free content, and you can even suggest questions for me to ask future guests on the podcast. So guys, make sure to check out my Patreon. Also, make sure to share this podcast on your social media accounts, link it to Spotify, review it on Apple. I would very much appreciate that. So thanks, guys, and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Knowledge is Power podcast. This is Max Willett, your host, and today my first real official guest is Kurt Arrington. So take it away, Kurt. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I feel privileged to be your first official guest, so <laughs> I can't thank you enough for that. Yeah. Very excited to be here and to have a chat with you. Cool. Thanks for thanks for coming. Uh, so Kurt owns a company called Something Fishy out of Warwick, uh, and I met Kurt uh, in high school. We didn't go to high school together, but there was a incubator class, essentially, and it was just shark tank but in a high school setting and he was our group mentor uh they had a bunch of different local business entrepreneurs come into the class and mentor different groups and i was lucky enough to get him uh so kurt why don't you tell us a little bit about your current state of your business you know what do you do and everything along those lines sure awesome um but just a little bit of an understatement on the incubator Uh, oh yeah i am the lucky one that got to meet max (laughs) uh it's really exciting and Uh, fun to see a student in high school that did what you did and and has gotten to where you are today. And I think one of the biggest rewards any mentor can ask for is to actually see a mentee that executes and actually accomplishes great things. And honestly, we're not that far from when you left high school or when you were in that incubator program and you have achieved great things. And here we are today doing another cool venture with you. So I'm excited about that. Thank you. As far as uh, our business, Something Fishy, thanks for the introduction. Something Fishy designs, installs, and provides managed care for aquariums in Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. The aquariums that we design are primarily focused on homeowners looking to enhance the experience within their home, kind of build the centerpiece, the best piece of artwork you could ever put in your home. And then a lot of our market is also on healthcare. In healthcare, we really help provide a perfect healing environment, whether you're a hospital, a uh, senior living organization, or just a even my dentist office who's a client. Mm-hmm. Having an aquarium in their environment helps really provide the experience that you know your patients are going to be looking for. And then today, and particularly with offices having the rebound, bringing their teams back in, we're really looking at team player wellness and the environment that you create around having a well-being or having well-being in your commercial or corporate office space and aquariums are a huge impact to employee wellness and bringing your team together so 
that's uh, and I guess from a product standpoint, we don't only do the design, but as I mentioned earlier, we also service the aquariums. Mm-hmm. So they're virtually maintenance free. So our team goes in on a regular basis, which is why our focus is Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Massachusetts to take care of the exhibits that we build for our clients. Okay, very cool. Um, and basically, I guess a cool way to sum it up is you do what the fish tank guys do on Animal Planet, but better. <laughs> very well. Yes. A- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're not around anymore. So enough said, right? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they're no longer around. They went out. Of, the whole place went out of business. Yes. So really. And and it goes to show your, your your business principles have to be true. Your values have to be true to be a sustainable organization. Okay. And what you saw there was a, a cool business that had uh, values that aren't sustainable. Yeah. And you know, TV can prop you up for a a while, but it doesn't, it's not a forever company. Okay. And and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. Um, that those values that you mentioned later on, um, that, um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, your background and why you started the business, when you started the business, uh, you know, so a little bit about your story and how it got started. Sure. It kind of goes back to when I was eight years old. My parents uh, bought me a goldfish for Christmas. Mm-hmm. That turned into me jumping full full into the hobby of aquarium keeping. At the age of 15, I had four aquariums in my parents' home. At the age of 15, I was also thinking about how I'd save enough money to uh, have my first car at the age of 16. So I started cleaning. Uh, I thought, why don't I clean aquariums for people? So I went to my dentist in Westerly, which was uh, a few miles from my home, and asked if I could clean their aquarium. And sure enough, they allowed me to do that. So once a month, I cleaned that uh, aquarium there. The practice has since been sold, but they're now on their fourth new location and fourth aquarium, a custom aquarium in a wall, really, really awesome tank. That was my first client 20, 25 or so years ago, actually more than that. pushing, pushing 30 years ago. And, uh, so that was, I was 15 years old. I, my parents literally would drop me off at that account once, once a month, I got my driver's license and then I started selling aquariums to, if you didn't have one, I would sell you one. If you had one, I'd I'd solicit the service for it. By the time I was 17, which is about, uh, my senior year in high school, I made $50,000 cleaning aquariums. Wow. That's uh, that was the beginnings and how I got started. Yeah, that's crazy. Especially do it in high school. That's a little bit more than I've done out of high school, but I'm trying. Uh, and what was your like biggest inspiration behind you know starting your own company? Because a lot of people have a lot of different reasons, and unfortunately, in some cases, it's for the money. But I definitely think that's not in your case because I mean, look at the work you've done and what you've built. People build things purely out of money. Is like. It's a lot like a perfect example of that is Jordan Belfort and the whole Wolf of Wall Street thing like that. There was no passion in that. The only passion was money and a, and a lot of businesses fail in that case. So I sort of rambled on there. But uh, no, you're right, though. You got to find your passion first yeah. and, and the wealth will follow. And wealth is different for different people. right? Mm-hmm. Wealth, having all the money in the world and not being happy and fulfilled is not wealthy exactly and uh if you really find what you love doing people are going to want what you have i don't care if you dig holes for a living but you're passionate about it people are going to want you to dig their holes because they want to be part of your passion and you'll be the wealthiest hole digger ever yeah. so um i think that's really important so i'm glad that you mentioned that as far as um i think your your question was really how, when did i 
find the passion around the business itself. Um, so I was always passionate about fish. Yeah. That doesn't make me a good business person. Right. Yeah. And what was really important was to realize that it's funny because I met you when you were 16, 17 years old yep. and there's an incubator program in at Charo high school. There's business, you know, everywhere you look today, their entrepreneurship is like a hot thing. Well, it wasn't like that when I was 15, 16. I didn't actually even tell people I had a business. It wasn't like a th something to be proud of. It, hmm. If anything, it was what you did if you couldn't get a job, right? And at 15, 16 years old, I, when I was cleaning fish tanks, I looked at myself as a fish tank cleaner. So my peers, my friends in school, like I, I didn't talk about that. And then I was, I think I was 16, seven, I guess 17 years old, kind of going into that high school year. Probably a lot of my friends didn't know when, what I was doing, you know, cleaning fish tanks. And uh, it was my uncle, actually, who was in marketing for GE and uh, an executive there. And he said, man, you have something that you could go take, be really big. You could go national with this. And that's when I realized that I didn't just clean fish tanks. I owned a business cleaning fish tanks. And even though I was an employee of one, a mm. company of one, I really, that was the turning point is that I, I knew I had a legitimate business at that point. And I also thought back, you know, to my childhood from my paper route to the lemonade stand to, you know, any, uh, any way I could think of kind of earning extra money in lawn service. And I always tried to make a business of it. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was an entrepreneur. So, and the word entrepreneur wasn't popular. It wasn't in demand. It wasn't the cool thing. And that's when, that's when it, you know, I was 17 years old and I, I realized, heck, this is, this is something that I love doing and I love the business aspect of it. And I was actually planning to go to school, to college for uh, criminal justice. Okay. So that moment at 17 is when I realized I'm not going for criminal justice. I'm going for business yeah. and I own a business and entrepreneurship is, is uh is is where I, is what i want to do what's interesting about it and one thing i've learned and share with a lot of people and probably talk to you about this too is that a if you are passionate about a hobby like aquariums it doesn't mean you should make a business out of it if you are passionate about something and you're passionate about entrepreneurship and business that's a great combination because there's a lot of great electricians and great bakers mm -hmm. that aren't going to be great business owners owning an electrical company or owning a bakery. Yeah. So you really have to be passionate about both sides of that. And, uh, today I, you know, I, I'm, I love our products. The passion is still there and is, yeah. is, is, you know, on fire as ever. And certainly the dynamics of growing a company, I'm just on fire about it. Love it. Yeah. Well, that actually reminds me of a book I read or started reading. Um, a lot of people in BNI recommended it to me and the name of the book, unfortunately is escaping my mind. Uh, because it's been a few months since I've read it. Uh, but they talked about, you know, there's the, the entrepreneur, the technician, and then there was one other thing. And, and they were talking about how a lot of times the, the technician starts a business because they know how to do everything. And then they get to the point where they do, they, you know, they started doing what they loved and then it turned into work. And a lot of, I feel like a lot of times that happens. Uh, you know, I've seen it. Uh, actually, for somebody that I'm working for, you know, they never necessarily loved to do what they did, but they they preferred it over other things, and now they dread it every day because they've been doing it for 25 years, and it, you know, hurts their knees, hurts his back, and it and it's just something like that, and it's just kind of weird 
to see somebody go from when they were younger talk about how much you know how lucky they are and how much they love to do what they do and then now they just complain about it and it just sucks to see that yeah so i think the book you're referencing might be the e-myth by michael, yes. michael gerber yes <laughs> it's yes. a great it's a great book it's a it boils it down as simple as it could be yeah. right and there's so much truth to that you know so that's a book i probably read 20 years ago or more and uh i'm glad that you read it yeah too. yeah um so uh the the interesting thing with a passion is for sure you, you know there's, there's a couple things that happen to business people one uh people that aren't business people get into business for the wrong reasons so mm -hmm. again i'll just use the electrician and, and i think michael gerber did it in his book the electrician that is a is making good money and then sees his boss make seemingly make more money than him because he's billing x dollars more an hour than the electrician's getting paid the electrician goes out and starts his business and uh quickly realizes that even though his bit his boss was uh billing more um his boss was probably making less than the electrician, right? Yeah. But in addition to that, you have to run, you're not just doing electrical work, you're running a business and yeah. that can be daunting. And if you're not up for it, you're, that's going to drain you because you're at home at night figuring out how to create an invoice or to put your marketing campaign together and you're an electrician and that's not where your passion is. And you're going to get tired, worn out and, and that, you know, and if that just, you know, that, that you get into a rut. Um, so business isn't for everybody, but let me tell you for the people it's for, it's yeah. a fun game. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so you just you graduated high school and you're you really starting to go with your business. You went to college, uh, right for business, right? Business administration. Okay. And I don't know if you want to speak a, a little bit about that sure. and uh, you know your journey through college and realizing, you know, what the value of that degree was going to be for what you were doing or something along those lines. Absolutely. Yeah. So actually in high school, I, I had gotten all my core curriculum courses out of the way in, you know, a, as a junior and, and earlier on. So as a fresh, as a senior, I only had to take English and gym. So I actually went to my guidance counselor and said, Hey, can I get out of school early to run my business? And like, uh, that's for non-college orientated students. You're going to college, go over and talk to the career and guidance, career and tech guidance counselor over there. So he says, well, the program you're talking about is only for non-college bound students and people that are going to work next year. I'm like, that's not fair. So yeah. he's like, you can't do it. So then I went to the principal and they said, okay, you can do it. Um, and that was in 97. So, um, so anyway, so I start, that's how I was able to grow the business while I was still in high school that senior year. So then when I went into college, I went for business administration and four year program, two years into it, uh, probably about 18 months into it, I was getting accounts like Walmart, Petco, and a couple other, Red Lobster was one of them. Wow. And we were getting these accounts because they were commercial accounts that a manufacturer had a national account with, and they were sending us out for the regional service. And because of the growth and the work we were doing, I needed to hire a couple of people full-time, and at the time I was only working with part-time team players. So I took the winter semester and the summer semester to develop training, hire a couple of people, and then go back to school. And I never went back to school, so I got the two years in, hmm. and uh, and that was that was the end of my uh, my college career, if you will. Yeah, yeah, because I had a friend tell me because I, I don't know I've been contemplating school and the value of it and everything like that, um, but I mean, especially having your own business, going to school and. I'm as I'm working, uh, 
laying down hardwood floors. That's what I did all day today. School definitely is like the third thing for me right now, which it shouldn't be, but like, it, it's just, it's just a weird feeling like, cause in high school it was all about school and then baseball, but now it's sort of like, it's just weird cause I'm going for engineering and you know, I'm just going to completely open up about this, but I don't know. I've been contemplating about taking a year off. Should I just switch to business? Cause it's, cause right now I'm in for mechanical engineering and let's be honest, you know, business is easier than engineering to graduate from college. I'm not knocking you know, but like, it, it's just like calculus is hard. Like it's hard and it is very time consuming. And I feel like, oh, if I wasn't doing this, I could be working on my website. I could be emailing people. I could be getting instantaneous results, which I guess is sort of wrong, you know, because patience is a virtue. But I, I've also had some recent experiences that make me just want to do things now because you don't know, you know, time is limited. You know, patience is a virtue, but time is limited. So it's just like, I don't know what to do sort of thing. You you ask great questions and, and you're, you're thinking like most college students would that have started their own business, right? And certainly there's many college dropouts uh, that have built wildly successful companies. I can speak a little bit about my experience. One of the things that I think you bring up is you're in school for engineering and you certainly have an engineering mind, but you're from my conversations with you in the time that we've had together, you are passionate about engineering, but you're even more passionate about business. Like you, you have something, whether it's the business you're in today or the business that you'll create tomorrow, you are going to take something and, and get to the next level and do really amazing things in your life. And you're already, you've already started that. So thanks. And that may be around engineering. It may not, you know, it's hard. You're, you know, only, you know, cause you're in your shoes, but it may be that engineering isn't the right platform at school, but you would be, you know, you'd be, really passionate about the school of business. Mm-hmm. So that's something to, to think about as we're coming into spring. Maybe this is, a, this is a good time to look at that because, um, I do think that college is really important. And if you look at even my career and the success that I've had, I probably feel, I do feel I'd be further along had I stayed in school when I was in school, it felt like school was slowing me down from growing my business. But that was being short-sighted, and at the you know what I learned years later was that school would have taught me and connected me with people, alumni, and built mentoring relationships that would have propelled me further along. So maybe in my twenties, at twenty-two, twenty-three, I wouldn't have had a very successful business uh, by the numbers. Maybe I still would have mm-hmm. had a business, but. Um, instead I would have been in school focusing on that, but then at 25, 27, 30 years old, I would have been further along than where, where I was. So I think you really have to assess the, you know, school's going to teach you a lot of things that I learned the hard way. And I had to, I had to go through failures that would have been prevented if I stayed in school. So I think it's something to think about and, and just consider what discipline is right for you versus engineering versus versus business but no matter what max there's one thing i know and that is whatever you do you'll figure it out well thanks so i mean essentially what you're saying is it's it's not what you learn in school it's who you learn who you meet from school exactly okay so because it's it's one of those things and this is i thought was a great example um i went golfing with somebody over the weekend and i'm going to keep this person nameless but um 
it was a friend through it was a friend of a friend and he's going to school for marketing and i'm like oh you know i'd love to talk to you a little bit about it you know i have my own business and i want to know what what the college is you know what uri is telling you and i'm like you know so i started talking about you know like google seos and branding and stuff like that and he's like what's google seo like what is that i'm just like it kind of made me realize like like really like you're and he's out of state so he's paying like 25 grand a year and and like i learned that like when you put me in contact with kai who's the marketing person uh for obviously you guys don't know who that is but um like that was one of the first things he taught me was Google SEO. Like he said, it was one of the most important things in a modern business, especially, you know, a type of business like me, who's virtually all online. And this college student had no clue what it was. And I started talking to him a little bit about marketing and he honestly didn't really know anything. And I feel like, like a lot of kids who go to college, it's all about partying and stuff like that. And I definitely think that he fell victim to that. Um, well, but, here, I want to just touch on something that you talked about with what, you know, going to school, what it's all about yeah. is meeting people I, or is definitely yeah. one of them. But the other thing is that, and this isn't, this is definitely in college, but it's also in life in general is it college is going to give to you what you take from it. Yeah. So there are a lot of students that go through college and just, they really don't learn that much yeah. and, they, and they just get by. And that's fine, and, and they can go on and do, do wonderful things, I'm sure. But then there's also students that realize what is really being offered to them, and they take, and that's what it's there for. Professors, mentors, they want you to take that. It's just that only a very few students actually do that. And, you know, they just go through the motions, and they, and they, don't, they don't do what's really required to get the, the you know, the best education mm-hmm. and that best education is going to, is, is going to come through really grasping the, the areas that are of most interest in, in of what might be most important to you, you know, and that's probably in the area of entrepreneurship and business leadership and business management. And those are the things that you want, really want to grasp on. So, and it's the same thing in, in life. There's, there's nothing that has led to my success more than just me just being curious and it, I didn't have any opportunities that the guy right next to me didn't have. The difference is I just kept asking and, and looking. And, you know, I, I have this quote that I stole from somebody else called, you know, opportunities are everywhere. The problem is they're dressed up in work clothes. So it takes work <laughs> to uncover them. Yeah. It takes effort. And I'm willing to put that effort in. Most people aren't. Same thing in college. It takes effort to get the best education out of college and to make that experience propel you in your life forward faster than anyone else. The average college student is not propelled that much further in life with college. It's not the college, it's the student. The right student will be propelled tremendously by a four-year or greater degree. And you are that right student. Okay. Wow, okay, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it, and it's tough for me because that, while that's all great stuff, I mean, the price tag, like, really sets me back. And I tell myself, you know, I'm going to be successful enough where I, that won't be an issue. But it's still, like, I look at, and I'm in barely any debt compared to other people. But, like, I still look at that number and I'm like, I have to pay that. And I have no money. And it's like, so that's that's one of the biggest, another another thing that really throws me back especially like 
like I have friends that you know are paying a lot more than I am for college and they I, and, and it's sort of weird I think of things differently than they do like they they go to college thinking they're just gonna go work for somebody and that's how they're gonna make their way like like that would just annoy me like why would you want to like I know this is sort of a, an old term when I was like YOLO like you only live once like do you really want to spend it working for some somebody else dreading going to work every day and just not loving life every second you know that you're lucky enough to be here and it's like I don't know like people I guess but I guess that's what they're happy doing and if that's what they're happy doing it's what the, you know it's what it is and uh, I also look at success isn't necessarily money and a lot of people mix that up because i know plenty of people who who have no money and are very happy with their lives like i have family all over the country and they're not they're not wealthy people but they're wealthy in family and that's something that i've been you know trying to teach tell myself and everything like that like if you have success is not money and i know that's kind of veering off course here but um success is finding happiness and what you want to do and this is what i want to do you know run my own business so i don't know it just it just that it was also weird because again i was talking to that person and i haven't really talked to a real college student since then you know i've talked to people that are sort of going to college and i have a couple friends that because it's all online aren't really going they're only taking a few classes but this kid is fully enrolled in marketing and he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to, you know, go work in sales or something like that. Like no drive to do anything bigger than that. That's just what he wants to do. And it's just weird to me. I don't know. Like so there's, there's a couple of things in everything that you said. Yeah. The, you know, one is the cost of college. I think the cost of college, particularly being in state and some of the programs that in, in particularly here in Rhode Island, like with a uh, in-state student going to URI, for example, it, it listen it's expensive especially when you know you're just starting out but at you know when you turn 30 and you're making considerably more money because you did go to college it'll it'll look like short money at that point um so you know it's again it's not right for everyone you've got to kind of figure out what's what's best for you the uh the other thing is thank god that not everybody's motivated the same way because <laughs> all the entrepreneurs out there wouldn't have any team players for on their team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's really important that you look at and entrepreneurship's not right for everybody. Actually, it's, it's not right for the majority of people. There are a lot of people. And as you touched on that are happy, um, going in, in, you know, in, like I have a team of marine biologists. They're brilliant people. They're great. We even teach them uh, business uh, one-on-one kind of through what we call the great game of, great game of business so they have an understanding of it and i think sometimes that understanding is is enough to let, let them know that how happy they are being a biologist and not running a business right mm-hmm. and that's good because that's that's what's right for them in in your reference to your friend that's in marketing you know today in today's world at, at 18 19 20 years old a lot of people don't have it figured out you know i think i as far as where they're going to be in the next five years or even after college or even what they want to do you know i i College has so much to offer, particularly around someone that is, uh, does have some legitimate area of understanding of what they want to do and, and or um, reasonable area, I guess. So that could be business, it could be engineering, it could be literacy. 
you want to at least have the right be in the right channel right because that will help you figure out where you want to go and you know marketing in business is a good generalized degree because you can that can take you so far I don't know if college teaches you what you want to do when you get out of college. Yeah. It gives you some resources so you can then figure it out. I, to touch on that aspect that you talked about with someone not knowing what they want, you know, I think you figured it out. You know where you're going to be. And I did too when I was your age. That's not that we're, we're fortunate and that's not common. Of course. Um, But when, when the marketing person does graduate college, the best thing is, even if it's free for them to go look at other companies and intern for, I don't care if it's a day, a shadow day. Mm. Like I tell this to people all the time and, and very few people do it. If you think you're interested in something, go shadow someone already doing it. Someone that's successful in that and see if you really, if you really like that. If you think you like it, take the job. If six months later you hate it, move on, do something else. Yeah. It, it, the only way you're really going to find what you, what you like doing is if you're actually doing it. And okay. college isn't really going to, college will help you in that direction okay cool uh alrighty guys so uh thanks for listening so far but we're going to take a quick break so it's going to be instantaneous for you but we'll be right back alrighty guys so we're back from our quick break so earlier we talked about uh the comp- the fish tank company from animal planet called atm and you mentioned uh, about some values in that company that uh sort of led to its demise i don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that Sure. Well, you know, I know I know a little bit about the company, obviously, from being in the industry and fun guys. Uh, I actually spent a day with them pre before they went into uh, the whole TV uh, Animal Planet episodes. This was, you know, they they are a type of company that we actually would buy from products from. So they they cut manufacture custom tanks where we do the assembly. So we would actually buy from them. Spent a day with them. Great guys. Uh, kind of a cool operation. Um, but a little bit all over the place. And then the TV, so we actually didn't end up doing any buying from them. We, we were actually concerned that that might not be a good business decision. And then, um, you know, the TV show happened and they had a lot of great success from that. They did a great job with the show. The drama in it was awesome. It made for good TV. And uh, to give you a little bit of a flavor of, of values, I guess, might be a really good way of putting it. Animal Planet had such success with the show that they took their production company and said, hey, go find another show within this industry that we can create. Find another company in this industry. And they actually found 20 companies in and around aquarium stores or service companies like ours, interviewed them for a potential show. We were within the 20, Mm -hmm. narrowed down to the top four, and then the production company came out and spent an entire day with us. And we had a great time, made a what's called a sizzle. It's a seven-minute video made by the production company that will go to uh, Animal Planet's executives to determine if there can be another show. Well, when the existing show found out about this, they basically told Animal Planet, if you do another show, we'll, we'll walk, meaning you're going to lose our talent. So it's kind of a self, you know, you know, more more shows only will will bring good to the hobby and elevate everybody. A rising tide raises yeah. all ships, um, and that that wasn't their mindset. Um, likewise, I had clients that did business with them, and you know, a lot of those relationships just didn't end well. 
And I, I think it's just the way that you conduct business is really important from a value standpoint. And I think values done wrong and can be the demise of a business. And listen, I don't know uh, exactly what went wrong and why the business is pretty much non-existent today. Um, but I, I have a, you know, a really good feeling that values would have kept them afloat if they were the right values. So any idea of what values in particular that, uh, sort of led to that? So like, I don't know if you want to theorize or anything like that. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, I don't know. I don't want to speak about something that I'm not you know, sure about. I will say that I think values in companies have to be about, you know, very, very high ethics. If you're going to look to build relationships with clients, you have to put them first ahead of yourself. And I'm not sure that that, that was happening. Um, but I, I know that, that, you know, that's something that's extremely important. You have to do what is best for others ahead of yourself all the time. And when you do that, people will want to work with you when you do what's right. Um, even if no one's looking, that's what the way you're going to build success and mm -hmm. happiness and fulfillment. I remember, um, you know, and I teach our, even our team. Now there's things that my decisions, my company and my team make, and I'm not even involved in it. And I always, you know, I always tell them if, if they ever consult with me, well, if the client was standing right by your side, looking at the way you're billing them, how would you do it? And like this way, then that's how you do it. Yeah. You know, so you do, you always do what's right. We, you know, we've made mistakes before and we call it out and say, Hey, we made this mistake. And, 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 uh, and so we're making it right. Even though you would never know we made the mistake and that that's just who we are as a company. And I, th I think that's what it takes to be, to build a good brand, good loyalty and good relationships with your team, with your clients. So those kind of, those kind of values are important. And a lot of companies don't know what their values are, but if you don't know what they are, you don't share them with your team. You have values. You just have no control over them. So our values at something fishy are fish, fun, irresistible, simple, and honest. And those are things that we, th we truly thrive and live on every day, including looking at fun. How do you make, we literally went through an exercise and said, how do you make a client smile at every touch point. One of those touch points is when they come home at the end of uh, the day and we've already serviced their aquarium, well, our aquariums always look clean. And so when they were servicing it, sometimes you might not even know we're there. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things we could leave our mark and make them smile when they come home? And we actually put concepts to that that work to, to this day. Um, we said, how do you, how do you, uh, funny story, how do you make the person paying our invoice that doesn't even know who we are in the back accounting office smile? And so we took corny a fish dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> in the emails. <laughs> exactly. Uh, corny fish jokes for sure. And a funny story when it started, we actually put a Swedish fish candy in the envelope. Hey there. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I just want to take this chance to tell you to share the podcast on your social media platforms. Link it on your Instagram story. Follow knowledge is power underscore Rhode Island on Instagram and leave a review on Apple Podcast if you're listening on that platform. So thanks for listening, guys, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Okay. And a couple months later, we realized that all our, our – this is back when most of our invoicing was paper. And it when it went through the mail machine, it would unwrap the individual candy inside. So the, the uh, 
the accountants or bookkeepers were opening something with an unwrapped Swedish fish and an empty wrapper stuck to their invoice. So it's kind of funny, I guess, but um, yeah. we had to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of those little touches that go a long way, um, especially in that sort of business where customer service is everything. Um, but I also remembered when you were talking about, you know, something fishy and the services that you guys offer. Uh, and you talked about like nursing homes and stuff like that. I just thought that, you know, cause in high school, I, me and my partners, we did, uh, the personal observatory, if you remember. Sure. Uh, so basically it was an automated telescope, uh, that would, turn and go up and down to the star correlations and different you know the moon or like mars or something like that but it was a lot more user-friendly like those already exist but they have like a remote that you'd see from a 1980s tv you know like it's very poor i mean the quality is great but they cost a lot of money and you have to be trained on how to use it essentially and uh, you had mentioned, excuse me, that it might be a good idea to have it in a nursing home. And I feel like there's a lot of businesses, you know, that, that revolve around that, that could benefit from that. Um, I'm not saying nursing homes are, you know, you should take advantage of them, but like, it's just, it's just cool to see, you know, how, you know, one sort of business model could be applied to another business from a different perspective, I guess. But um, I, that was just a quick thought I had. Um, but because obviously a telescope, you know, maybe like live streaming the star correlations on a TV, you know, and it's just really cool because I'll find myself I'm just like on at night, I'll let the dog out and I'll walk outside and I'll look and I'm just like, that's awesome. <laughs> Amazing, right? So, yeah, but I don't know. That was just a, a quick thought I had. Um. So I just have a, another question for you. So for people that are starting their own business um, and are a little bit short on change, is it a good idea for somebody to borrow money from a bank or a family member? Uh, but before you know, you answer it, I just want to say like from family experience and having family members that have done that, I don't think that's a great idea. You know, just speaking from, you know, me, you know, not knowing anything, but um, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Uh, you know, I guess borrowing from a bank. Sure. Uh, unfortunately, most businesses that are at startup are not bankable. Yeah. So um, a lot of times that's the cause for uh, fa- uh, individuals that are starting businesses to go otherwhere, you know, elsewhere and, and find alternative lending sources, which oftentimes are fa- family and friends. You know, today you have um, crowdfunding, which is which yeah. is a, it makes it a little simpler. As far so, I'll back up. I think one of the questions you had is really, you know, should you should you borrow money first, yeah. right? Yeah. And then yeah. second, where would you get it from? As far as should you borrow money, I think it's it depends on how risk, um, what the risk is that you want to take. So if you look at my business, when I started out, I, I was fifteen. I didn't even think about borrowing money. I just needed a bucket and a hose, which I already had. So I was able to start doing that. And, par- and borrowing money at that point for me wouldn't have made sense because my objectives were to earn enough money in college, uh, in high school so I didn't have to work in college. So I wanted to make 50, 60 grand in high school and that's, and then I wouldn't work in college. So for for that, you I wouldn't borrow money. It, let's say I'm getting out of college and I'm going to start a business. I'm 20-something years old and I need to borrow money. I, I would say that, you know, that's, I'm, I'm going to, 
young age and I'm very open to risk because if I lose it all, I can just start over. If I'm 50, I might not have as much risk because I might have college to, to worry about for my own kids or I might have saved money that I don't want to risk like I would when I'm 20. So it really depends, it, you know, financing a business or, or borrowing money really depends on the situation that you're in personally and, and where your business is at. However, um, I, you know, I'm huge at you figure things out the less you have. You're, you're, you know, you're very, you become, it's not about resources, but resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. And we have been, our team in general has been very resourceful with what we're doing. Like when we, when we moved into the building that we're in now back into, well, first look at the first office, just very much like your story. I moved into from my parents' uh, home, the you know, my bedroom office to a 150 square foot office. And then in that same building, we grew to 2000 square feet, one step at a time as I could afford it. I never borrowed any money. And then we moved from that building and opened up a retail store. And that was the first time I borrowed money and I borrowed it from my, from my family. I, my parents, I was fortunate that they were able to lend it to me and I was able to, to make that happen. And then it wasn't until years later where we actually were very bankable and we're growing. And, and as a business grows, sometimes you need finances uh, or funding to just support growth with, you know, what you're doing with leasing, like in our case, leasing aquariums and um, growing accounts receivable and, and uh, just growing your organization, hiring more people. So we, you know, we became bankable, but it was years and years into the business when we were more solvent on our own. So I've gone through all from starting a business with nothing to borrowing from my family to, um, uh, to borrowing from a bank. So they're all right. It depends on which time and where you're at. One thing that I caution people about though, is borrowing when you have, when you do borrow money or you're able to borrow money is still make sure you're resourceful. Like when we renovated one of our locations like we you know we still did it intelligently like you were said you were laying floors today you know that i did that in one of our offices and it's like that may not you got to be careful sometimes you laying floors to save a few bucks is costing you more money because you're not out selling so but you do what's right for the time in your life in which you're at okay right so well, that's, that's actually pretty interesting. You, you say, you know, the less you have, I guess, the more resourceful you are and, the, the I guess, the more thought out, you know, you spend your money. And I guess it's so weird, you know, because you can relate that back to Harbor Flooring because we've worked for people that are out in Block Island and they just say, do my floor. If I don't like it, tear it up, do another one. Whereas the people that are over here and don't have nearly as much money are like, okay, I need to search i need to do research i need to you know make sure i plan everything out correctly because they have less money you know and it's just funny how that kind of relates um the, over here they want to take the, what's being pulled out of block island and yeah use that exactly because <laughs> like some of the places out there are insane well and by the way we live in southern rhode island and uh there's a island off the coast it's like it's a tourist quote-unquote attraction uh, there's really not much to do there other than go to old stores and go on a beach and mudslides. Oh yeah. I, I've never, You're going to learn about that. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I've been working for this Harbor flooring guy and actually the first week we went out there and did, uh, floors and it was just, a it's just a weird place. Cause there's only like that one main road that's paved 
and then everything else you need like a four by four to get to and it's like it's like these people have all this money and then you go to their house and it's down a dirt road and then it turns out to be like some 10 million dollar mansion <laughs> it's like place. yeah it's it's crazy um but i guess uh something else uh, i'd like to touch on oh actually before i go to that so my business um i'm not gonna share exact numbers but um i can afford an office i can afford minimal marketing I have the capabilities to do certain things that have to do with additive manufacturing and 3D printing and the connections in the local industry. Do you think that at where I am or any business that's at my particular point, if a bank said, let's think best case scenario, here's $10,000, 0% interest, is it a good idea to get that loan? Loaded question. <laughs> yeah. So I the zero percent interest is really appealing because if someone's going to give me zero percent interest, I'd rather have the money in in my bank and have that as a cushion. If there's no interest, the challenge is that you're going to end up spending it. It's 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 not it's what you're going to spend it on, right? So if you have to if you have to if you're going to borrow ten thousand dollars, it needs to be so that you're going to make twenty or thirty back. Okay. Right. And, and that you can, you'll be able to leverage that. So you want to be more strategic about what you're going to use the funding for. So I'll give you, give you an example. If you are going to, and I realize this isn't what you were suggesting, but if you are going to borrow money to move into an office, the office most likely is not going to drive revenue. It, it just makes it, things easier. Essentially. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but if I was going to use it, it'd be for marketing. So for marketing. So, you know, marketing is a, it's a tough thing. 50% of your marketing works and 50 doesn't. You just mm-hmm. don't know which 50 is, is which. Um, marketing obviously is an investment and, and it's something that is, uh, is important for your business. It's, um, so it, you just, you, you could, $10,000 is a lot of money um, at, at any given point. Um, so you just gotta be really careful about how you, how you, to make sure that your that investment's going to be worthwhile. So for example on marketing, you know, today's probably the today's best marketing is online and you can spend $100 or $300 a month and have a big impact. So if you were to 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 see results at a lower risk investment, say you're spending $100 a month, a couple hundred dollars a month, $500 a month where you grow it to that and it's really working and then you put more money slowly into it. I would say that's probably a, a pretty good investment. I wouldn't, I'd hate to see a, a company of your size put $10,000 out there all in one basket today. Um, it's a, it's a tough, um, you, you have so much opportunity to market your business and there's so much opportunity in, in just the small Rhode Island market for you that just knocking on doors, which is time, not money, um, would open enough doors for you to be able to do all the advertising you ever want and never have to borrow any money. Okay. So I would look at, you know, I'd look at what those opportunities are first. So what's interesting is in your business career right now, you, you can exchange time. You have time, right? And you can use that time to make money in where I'm at in my career time. I don't, I have, I don't really have any more time, right? I can't, I, I'm, I'm very busy. So I have to look at what do I stop doing? What do I hire somebody to do? I cringed because I hired someone to wax my boat this week. 
And I'm like, I don't, I just want to do that myself. But I realize that that's 10 hours or five hours, whatever it is, it's a day, even though it's a Saturday, it's still a day that if I'm putting that into my business, I'm worth a lot more than what I'm going to pay for that to be done. So you really have to look at that, that kind of, um, situation and, and, and that's, uh, you know, see what you're, you have time today to be out there marketing your business. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's sort of touchy though when it comes to knocking on doors because the, the person that lives across the street from here doesn't necessarily need rapid prototyping services. And it's weird cause I was, I, I don't know, I keep relating back to this, but when it came to hardwood floorings, I was explaining my business to him. I mean, he can, everybody, everybody that owns a house can benefit from his service. That's not the case for me. I have to, I have to really pinpoint different people and different companies and say, all right, I mean, and, and the hard part is finding those people. I don't need a lot of them, but I need, you know, maybe 10 or 15 big clients that continually send me work. Like I have one of those right now. And if I had 10 of those, like that'd be ideal. And I could still be in the same spot I am right now, you know, in, in my 400 square foot office, one room sort of thing. Um, but I guess if I, if I were to use it, it would be for, you know, Google SEOs and stuff like that and Google marketing. But in, in talking to marketing people like Kai, it's not like you could pay all the money in the world to get your Google ad, the first one up there. But the thing that is incredibly difficult is getting somebody after they've clicked on your page to then convert that sale, you know, having all the money in the world just to get it up there is, 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 isn't even half the battle because you can do all of that. You can spend all that money and then have a crappy website and nobody's going to buy from you. Right. Cause it's all about first impressions. You only have, you only, what's a quote? You only have one chance to do a good first impression or whatever. I don't know what the quote is, but, um, that's sort of where I'm coming from. I mean, it's just, it's just an interesting different sort of, market I guess um of you know who I'm selling to and what I'm selling um so I don't know what what are your thoughts on that yeah I, listen I you know it every entrepreneur goes through this if if I only had if I only had more money if yeah. you know and and you, no matter where you're at you're always going to have more to you're always going to want to spend more than you can afford to spend there's always going to be more things to buy then you can ha you have the money for it. always, especially in a growing business. I have never ever had the ability to just do whatever it is that we wanted as a company. You know, we've done well. Um, right now, we're we're moving into a new building. To we signed the purchase and sales. I didn't know that sales today. I uh, we put a, a deposit on it, and and so we have uh, ninety days due diligence. So wow, I didn't know that. You know, it's it's three times the size of our location. Wow. And we're moving from a lease to a building purchase. Where where is this building? It's in on uh, Metro Center Boulevard, so a mile from our existing showroom. Is it in like that big business park over there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know. Where so that is. excited to show you. And, yeah. And but the you know the you you look at um, you know so even in this building purchase right 
there's things we're gonna have to cut back on. Our our list of things we want and what we really feel we need are greater than you know the the financing and the investment we're willing to make. So you have to make concessions and and do what's reasonable, right? And we're doing a, an anal- uh, investment analysis, and if if we spend this, our business will grow by X, right? And and th- that's what you really have to do at any time that you're making an investment. Your business is so young, and there's so much opportunity right here that I, I would just look at ways to not go into debt in order to um, in order to grow your business and okay. and be very, very any debt any investment you make be very reasonable with what that is because um, what, what I where you really don't want to be you talked about debt from college you don't want to go through uh, you know I'm, I'm think you should stay in school and, and you know maybe look at the business side of that too um, but you don't want to be focused on having school debt plus business debt. I'd, I'd love to see you graduate and really you're going to feel for when you graduate, you have the education behind you. Um, you also, I don't want to also see you have that, that level of business debt behind you. There's plenty of time to, to rack that, you know, to yeah, make yeah. that kind of investment down the road. Okay. So like I also heard this strategy, you know, I don't know. This is still on the loan thing, but like you use a loan to pay the loan and then you use it as you need it sort of thing so like if it's zero percent interest like you could get the ten thousand dollar loan and then just use that money to pay it off and then like strategically place like two hundred dollars here four hundred dollars here fifty dollars here i don't know like so it's robbing peter to pay paul it's yeah. not the best way to when if you're going to borrow money here, here's a here's a better example here's the right you know if there's such a thing as a right yeah. way typically what you want to do if you want to borrow ten thousand dollars let's just say that $10,000 is going to be um, $200 a month to pay it off. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you want to find a reasonable amount of time, say t- five years or three years for a business loan. So let's just assume that's $200 a month. Well, in order for you to afford $200 a month, you're, you need to be able to have cash flow in your business of at least 20 or 30% more than that. Because you don't want to spend all your cash flow to pay off the the, the loan. Yeah. So if your business may, bills a thousand dollars a month, just to have round numbers, um, and easy math for me, um, if your business is billing a thousand dollars a month, and then you have payroll and, and utilities and expenses, and that that brings you down to four hundred dollars a month left, and then you and then you want to, then you have two hundred to pay off your loan. You still have two hundred left. That's a good debt to income ratio, right? And you're, you're cash flowing positively in your business. However, if that same thousand dollar scenario, before you pay your loan off, you have a hundred dollars left, but your loan note is, uh, is $200. You're negative. You're going to end up being negative a hundred dollars in cash flow, And you're gonna be stressed out about that. You're not going to figure out, you know, it, it it's going to drive debt in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So, um, listen, I'm, I'm very open to risk, but you really need to be smart about it. And, and you, you want to take emotions out of it. You, every entrepreneur wants to be handed and not that it's handed if you're borrowing it, but every entrepreneur thinks if I just had more money, I could do X. Or if I just had more money, I'd be successful. I know this, I've been there. I, you know, it, it's, that is not as often not the answer. And most entrepreneurs that are handed money, um, handle it wrong they manage it wrong. Okay. Interesting. So I guess sort of one of the last questions, um, I wanted to ask you, um, is 
So when you started growing and you started hiring people, I guess this is for the people that are further down the road, sort of where you are just getting down or just starting down that road of hiring employees. Uh, what is like the process? Cause the only sort of experience I've had with that in my own business is trying to get help out an intern. Like I, I talked to the uh, engineering teacher at the Korean technical center in Cherahoe. And he's like, Oh yeah, this student would be great. And I get on zoom meetings with them and teach them a little bit about CAD and 3d printing. Um, but that's obviously nothing, you know, compared to having an actual employee. So I don't know if you want to speak on that a little bit. So I think for all businesses, and this is probably for people that aren't even business people, psychology is a huge aspect. I, I guess if I could go back to school again, I might add psychology or organizational psychology to it because I wish I knew now what I didn't know then. Um, or I wish I knew then what I know now about hiring people. I did it all the wrong way. You know, I didn't, I, I just didn't, um, put the time and effort into hiring the right people or investing in the right amount of training. And it took me a long time, probably more so in the last five to 10 years that I've, been doing it better. I don't know if I've done it right, but I've just been doing it better and we have a stronger team. And basically what I've learned is that you, you know, hire slow and fire fast, make sure you get the right people on the team. We use a legitimate, I went through personality profile testing, which is like a psychological test that you take that kind of dictates where you might uh, do your best work. And we were talking about this earlier, how, you know, um, why wouldn't everybody want to be a, a business person? And there's a lot of, re psychologically, it's not right for everybody. There's people that could never deal with the stress that you deal with every day. And, and it's just not right. They don't want to go home with that stress of how am I going to make payroll or how am I going to find the next client? They mm -hmm. just want to come in, they want to do their job, they want to go home and plant tulips or whatever it is that they're passionate yeah. about, right? Um, and hopefully they're passionate about their day yeah. job too, but they don't want to take that stress home with them. They're not risk takers, and, and that's good because you need people to do the back-end office work. So understanding that psychology helped us hire and build the right team. So we, I can go into a meeting right now or an interview process with somebody and know if they're going to be right for the position that we're looking pretty quickly just because of my my experience around psychological um, testing and, and understanding the way that people think. It also helps me on the sales side too. When I meet a client, I can pretty instantaneously understand the way that they want to be talked to. Mm -hmm. um, some people want to be very brief. They want the facts and they want it to be very short and, and to the point. Others want all the details in the world and all the specifications. And if you're selling to somebody, you need to know that um, upfront. You know, you're, they're not going to tell you what they want. Um, you've got to kind of figure that out. And, and because I can adapt to that situation, it, it helps us build better client relationships. And that's exactly the same with your employees. So um, hiring is something that is you really want to be particular about and make sure you get the right person for the right job. And then once you have them, the way that you treat and respect those team members is huge. We, um, I, you know, I firmly believe if you take care of your team, your team will take care of your customers. And you know, I'm going on vacation for two weeks and one of my team players just, you know, just before I came here, came up to the office and, and he was like, so are you ready for vacation? And I was like, I am, but, and I want to go, but I just don't want to leave for two weeks. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. I feel like it's so, you know, I'm going to, and he's like, well, you don't have anything to worry about here. We got it covered. And he's right. I'm not worried about that. I just 
I'm having fun every day. So I, I want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but he is right. I'm not worried about it. And it's kind of interesting in, if you hire the right team, one of the benefits will be that the, the team will take care of you mm-hmm. if, and you got to treat them right. And they'll take care of your customers. But think about this, Max, in my business, one of the things COVID taught me, I spent 10 days in the office and that's probably exaggerating in a year from March 20 to March 21, mm-hmm. less than 10 days in the office. How is that po- and my company grew? How is that yeah. possible? Because of the right team. Hmm. And one of the things I learned from COVID is let them go. I don't need to be there to make sure they're doing things perfectly, right? Yeah. And if I am there making sure they're going to be doing things perfectly, I'm just going to mess this things up. So, um, so it's really important that you get the team dynamics proper in your company and organization. That's really interesting on on COVID there because it's affected a lot of different businesses negatively, in some cases positively. I mean, you've seen large businesses like Walmart and Amazon just completely explode. Um, and seems like a lot of people have forgotten about the little guys, which is very unfortunate, but, uh, I don't know if you want to talk on a little bit, um, how COVID has sort of, I, I know you mentioned that short of, a little bit, but how it sort of restructured how you run things in your business compared to before. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit or, Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. You know, I, who could have ever imagined this? Yeah. Right. I remember the beginning of March tw- in 2020, a team member saying, Hey, we really need to think about a plan around this COVID thing. And I, and I was in agreement, but thought it would never happen. And, yeah. and we literally sat down and put a plan together, an isolation plan to keep our team separate from each other and protect our clients and proactively reach out to our clients about our, what we're going to do. And so we turned into probably a half a day meeting that turned into a whole lot of execution over the next couple of days. And like less than a week later, we were implementing the plan. I thought we were developing a plan that would sit on a shelf for the rest of our lives. So it changed our business overnight and no one could have seen the silver lining in that. And, and obviously there's a lot of, um, people that were negatively impacted and we lost business ourselves, but people more significantly were impacted from a health standpoint, but setting that aside, our, our business is stronger because of it. And I'm sure other businesses see this too. As an owner, I always felt that I had to be visible, I think, to show that I'm there to support you. Like I work from home. I work from Starbucks. I work from my office. I work wherever my business brings me because I'm on meeting with clients a lot. I work all a lot. I put a lot into my business, but I still felt like I had to be visible to my team. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's important for team dynamics. COVID taught us a different way to be able to do that. And there's tools and resources we have with, you know, today's communication like Slack and our Trello and our software programs that allow us to have a team oriented environment in a remote setting. And that's allowed us to really, really be able to grow. But I think most importantly, as an owner, um, COVID has taught me that I don't have to be there to, to all the time to make sure that the floors are swept or that our, our customers' expectations are exceeded. I have to just provide the tools to allow my team to do that. And, uh, and, and the other thing that I did and learned is you have to be able to have metrics so I run my business on metrics so I can see people's performance by looking at a report card basically on a weekly basis. And a lot of that's numbers-based, how many appointments you get to, um, what the revenues were, how many fish were sold, et cetera, et cetera, right? How many calls were made. 
I can see reports that tell me the team is doing a great job. And if they're, if a report goes in the wrong way, we can jump on a call real quick, have a huddle and figure out what's going on and, and get through that. So COVID has really taught a better management style and also to just inspect what you expect. So if I, you and I have a conversation, Max, and here's the new protocol and here's what we're going to do. You're smart. You're going to figure it out. You might even write, we, we call them play cards. So we've put process to our business and COVID's allowed us to do that, given us some time to be able to do that. When our business, when we started uh, having some customers that we couldn't service because of COVID, our team stayed intact and we had them write play cards, which is our version of an SOP or standard operating procedure. And our business has grown through COVID because we've put process to it and we can replicate it. And one, and again, that's some of that's been, been, um, you know, when we started talking about how we'd separate our team, we documented everything and handed that out. And that's a good example of play cards that were successful. And now we're doing that everywhere in our business from the way we make phone calls to the way we follow up with customers and streamlining operations. And that was also a result of this past year. Wow. That, yeah, that's some great insight. Um, so the last thing I'm going to ask you, um, what is your message, I guess, to anybody starting their own business, going into college? You know, if you could leave the listeners with this one last thing, what would it be? Go. Go find someone that's already done it and learn from them. Okay. Very cool. Well, uh, it's been just over an hour, and uh, thanks for coming, Kurt. This has been a great conversation. I've definitely learned something, and I hope the listeners have too. Uh, so thanks again, and... Uh, Maybe we'll have you on again at some other point in the future. That would be great. And I learned a lot. Every time I talk to you, I learned something. So oh, thanks for that. Thank you. Alrighty, guys. So if you want to be on the podcast or if you have any questions, email me at knowledgeispowerri at gmail.com. Just set that up. And also check out my company, Custom 3D at custom3dllc.com. Thanks, guys. See you in the next one.